There are only six games left to podcast about this season, and we know what's on the line. We all do. That's what I just said. You've been here all year long. Well, some of you have. We've seen you. In SoundCloud stats. And hey, did you know we're on iTunes? We've heard you. Mostly on Twitter. But this Thursday morning, we need you more than ever. You're one of us. And we're one of you. Together we can fight through this. Through every outtake. Every Fagundes. Every bitchy blank. We do it together. Bring your streaming audio. Your generic MP3 player. Your earphones. Bring everything you've got. Because we will. And we can't do it without... The Vocal Minority Podcast! Welcome everyone to your weekly pool of negative cess. We've got a never-before-assembled cast of three today to trudge through the highs and lows of another week of supporting your local Fs and Cs. I'm your host this week, managing editor of the Yorkies, Tony Walsh. By my side, as always, is the Stadler to my Waldorf. The managing editor of Waking the Red, Duncan Fletcher. <sighs> With usual panelists Mark Hinckley and Kristen Knowles off-performing international analytics, we round off this unholy trinity today with the VMP super sub, contributor to such outlets as The Blizzard, The Shin Guardian, and Waking the Red. Give a warm VMP welcome to James Grossi. Thanks for having me on again. You're so formal. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, look how tough we are. We invited some soldiers over to watch us beat up on some goats that are already dead. They're already dead. Must win number four in a series of ten went to plan as TFC manhandled, and in the case of Jackson, manhood handled. Hey. Chivas USA to the sweet tune of 3-0. Goatsy. <laughs> So, is it credit due to the Reds for a thorough dispatching of what is unarguably one of the poorest MLS sides we've ever seen, and we've seen some bad ones? Or, was this the minimum expected against a team that is playing out the ultimate stretch? Bit of both. And yes, there's, like we said last week, there'd be no excuse for losing to Chivas. They are an absolutely terrible team, but I think pretty much all of us kind of thought, oh, I could totally see them losing this, so they didn't trip over themselves as I thought they might, so there should be credit given for that, uh, I think. There's some good things to see from the game. Set pieces. We can score from set pieces now. That's nice. So and that's maybe the one repeatable thing we did actually see. So yeah, there's some positive, but you know, it's not to get too excited about it, but can't completely write it off. Yeah, I tend to agree. You, you sort of have to take the positives where you can get them at this point in the year. And like Duncan was saying, getting goals off of set pieces is something we've not seen enough of this season. Um, they needed a deflection to get that first goal, but the build-up was looking much better than it has recently. The Delightful little back heel from no, Chill, there too. The, uh, the Brazilian connection coming through for us. You are the first person to ever call them that, by the way. <laughs> I might trademark it. You should, before the sun takes it. <laughs> uh, they were barely threatened at the back, so I, I think we do have a lot of legitimate concerns about how that back line is going to put up with some pressure that will be coming in the next few games. But, mm-hmm. you know, you got to enjoy it for what it was and move on to the next one. Yeah, I'll have to give him a bit of credit, too. I mean, if there's anyone out there who didn't have a part of them in them that thought, oh, Eric Avila and Nathan Sturgis are mm-hmm. going to F this up for us, then you're <laughs> lying. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, we'd be complaining if they didn't get the three points, so you have to take it. It's a professional win. They weren't mm-hmm. challenged. As far as where it goes from here, it's three points that are good for six days, and then that's it. Pretty much. And you said the weren't challenges. Yeah, it's kind of felt like a friendly. Yeah. said the second half had all the intensity of a, a friendly game. There were more back heels in 90 minutes than we've sure. seen probably in three years. Yes. That's a Brazilian connection for you. <laughs> They'll do that to you. Those Brazilians uh-huh. and their back healing. So, nearly complete dominance, albeit over a club that would struggle in the NASL right now, probably. On the heels of that last-minute fight back against Chicago last week, and now this... Are TFC on the cusp of momentum that takes them towards the playoffs? Or what do you think, false dawn that's inevitably going to crumble when we face more competitive clubs? Uh, The next two games are particularly tricky. Having these Western Conference games coming this late in the season, one of the benefits of the league scheduling such that the cross-conference games are at the beginning of the year is that you get them all out of the way, you can take them or leave them, and then when it's business time, when it's the end of the season, you can focus on beating the people around you. 
And so to take this little vacation with three games in a row against the West is sort of, it can be good in the sense that maybe you're playing with a little bit less pressure, but at the same time, the points are just as crucial as they would be if you were playing somebody in the East. So whether they will man up to that challenge remains to be seen. But I think coming off the back of two decent results, if unspectacular, is can only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, professional athletes probably don't really think about things too much, and I can see them at least thinking they have momentum. How it will actually translate when they go out against Portland, who knows? So, yes, slightly, I think it could be actual momentum. He well, said confident. probably. Yeah, it probably shouldn't be considered that, but yeah, it probably is. Well, psychology is a funny thing in sports. Mm-hmm. Like you say, maybe not the same amount of thought has been given into by the players that we give into it. Looking at the record of the other team, it's just you went out there and hey, we won three beat now. Them. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm under no illusion that in the 85th minute against Chicago, a, a switch was flipped and suddenly things have changed. Portland have equal momentum coming into this. True. A 3-0 win against a much better club than we beat. Mm -hmm. And now in a dogfight for their last playoff position in the West. Mm -hmm. So as much, if not more, to play for right now. And a team who had a slow start and definitely on the uh, the up. As the, in the last third of the season, as opposed to us who've stumbled. So if there's a momentum argument, probably cancels itself out. Perhaps the old stat of teams crossing the continent to play a team in the opposite uh, conference helps us, but then, of course, comes back to bite us the Talk about later. that, I think, isn't scheduled at 1 o'clock in the afternoon? The it game? is, yeah. So that's basically 10 a.m. Portland time. Yeah. I feel like this is what the Raptors do to win a lot of games. <laughs> Schedule games at like 12.30 against West Coast teams. Completely team. mess with their body clocks. So. We the Eastern Standard. <laughs> yes. Trademarked. Trademarked. Hashtag. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Portland also has a midweek game this week to deal with. Right, CCL. And that'll mean that their game on Saturday is their fourth game in two weeks because they played last week in the Champions League as well. So mm-hmm. they're a pretty deep team, but they rely on several key players that they need to have on the field to really give their best. So maybe when Toronto comes around, some of those guys get the day off. Out, I'm going to Jackson. I'm going to mess around. Yeah, I'm going to Jackson. Look out, Jackson Town. Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the most. He's the most non-Brazilian Brazilian at Toronto, or maybe anywhere since Mike on Mike Sanders Santos. <laughs> but arguably, was having his best match in TFC Red against Chivas on Sunday. Then he decided he would have a go at punching Nigel Rio Coker's man bits. With a red card and a likely suspension on the horizon, has Jackson dumbed himself out of being a useful choice this season and into 2015? Maybe. I think from listening to Greg Vanny, I mean, he's always talking about being more aggressive and you know, going forwards, and he's got no time for sort of fanciness and calm, cool passing, that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, Jackson sounds perfect for this guy. So I can totally see why he got a game, and it was working really well. And then, yeah, he did this. So we're probably going to be pretty desperate these last few games. There's going to be no room for, well, I'm going to send a message, young man. So I could see him maybe getting some time again in this season, but he may well have punched his way out of a contract uh, for next year, I think. Yeah, I I guess a lot of it might come down to how many games he gets, too. There is the possibility he gets more than one because he he struck another player. I I would say he earned... poorly. Yeah, I'd say he (laughs) earned probably, like, Two red cards and two yellows, at least, in that incident. A yellow for the initial sliding tackle. Probably a red for the like the kick. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, another red for... You know, after they got uh, up again, they were kind of slapping. The roundhouse yeah, cock punch. Yeah. And then there was, well. a, bit, and there was, there was a, bit a little of bit of a headbutt. Head, yeah. 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 yeah, I think he'd have given out you know, at least two reds, a couple of yellows. I, I would expect him to have at least... One more game tacked on when the disco gets its act together. Yeah, it's a bit like the Jackson who fought his teammates in FC Dallas has shown up yes. in September. Yes, um, just all of a sudden just really frustrated. I mean, obviously, you know, he yeah. got fouled like, a couple of times like, just before, and once immediately before the ref didn't call anything, and then 
that just seemed to set him off. And you know, he's always been the bull in the china shop. That's mm-hmm. what we knew we were getting when they signed him. There was he, he's that kind of player, and that's what he brings. And when it works, it's good. It can be an effective tool. But going down, you know, with four matches left, I guess, like you say, it comes down to depth. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of options. Colleen Warner is a bit on the mystery injury right now. It's, yeah, I haven't heard a lot about his status. Mm-hmm. He would be the obvious replacement, you would imagine, although not much of a wing. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe you bring Warner in, move Osorio back out to the wing, but yeah. Osorio and Bradley look quite good in the middle. But I mean, and you know, as far as midfielders go, after that it drops off to Dero, who can't put in ninety minutes, and mm-hmm. then Lovitz and Oduro. Well, Lovitz yeah. was starting, so I just kind of assume he yeah, kind of gets the job going Oduro through. Back in, yeah. yeah, and then drops down to Kyle Beck. Yay. So I, I, it's the same thing going forward to next season. It, I guess it depends how much movement they are looking to do in the off season if they're will, looking to keep their core together, whether he comes mm-hmm. back or not. He's not a overly expensive piece to have. You'd like to have him as depth, not count on him as a starter. But yeah, going back to potential suspensions, I think if if the disco has any kind of self respect to itself, they'll give Jackson five games. <laughs> <laughs> After Garber, you know, was on our side about, about the Dave Gantar goal, uh-huh. surely he's going to do us a solid. Put a call into the disco. Focusing more on what he what he can bring to the team when he does come back to this suspension. I, I really liked what I saw from Jackson and Gilberto working together in this match. I felt like they did have a Brazilian connection, however ridiculous that does sound. And I like it. I like it. <laughs> We're going with it now. Yeah, clearly, yeah. we should make a bet. Yes. Um, one of the things that, that Jackson brings to this team that you don't see a lot of is he takes shots, even if they're ridiculous. And that deflected goal was the second one that he scored early that came off a deflection. And one thing that Toronto needs is, is somebody who's audacious enough to take an attempt like that and to, to have a crack at goal, even if it, the chance isn't perfect. They've, they've been very guilty of trying to walk the ball into the back of the net at times. And having somebody that's lively out wide and is willing to take those cracks is is a useful tool for the bench if he's not suspended mm-hmm. audacious that's a good word for something tfc lacks <laughs> it is there there's we don't the, have much audaciousness we, no we audacity often, yes but we we often do lack that person willing to take the chance oh it drives me crazy when i see Hero. them get the ball <laughs> to the edge of the final third and then they play it backwards. And it's not that the there's there's always a pass forward you can try, and mm-hmm. I appreciate the being safe, but sometimes you have to be audacious enough to, to risk putting that ball mm-hmm. forward and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I've made fun many times of Vanny's, ooh, we got to go forward, got to go faster. But, you know, yeah, it's in a lot of t- cases it is valid. I mean, that's probably the you know, one of the main things over the years I've kind of yelled out frustratedly is ah too slow yeah and so you know there is something to that yeah, especially, especially in the final third there's a lot of guys who are always looking for the extra pass mm-hmm. yeah, when you know in this league especially against some of the weaker defenses you know just putting it in the in the area is enough to cause a bit of chaos and anything can happen from that point Getting runners into the box, having cracks from distance. These are the sort of things that you do in MLS because goalies will make mistakes. Defenders won't track runs. Yeah. The ball will fall to you. There's very few airtight defenses in the league. I would you... I would hazard that there are none. <laughs> I was being kind. <laughs> Toronto? Come on. that's the fact. Yeah, we're going to Jackson. Ain't never coming back. Toronto Arsenals. Internationale Toronto. Toronto Motion Gladenbach. All equally stupid ideas to branding a team in Los Angeles after a single club in Mexico. The plan was doomed to fail and did spectacularly. So, putting on your millionaire owner hat, how would you rebrand Chivas USA to actually compete in the LA market in 2016 when they're scheduled to return? And as a follow-up, should they even bother? Um, before I adjust that question, surely Toronto Hotspurs. <laughs> they're more of a sister club. Ah, uh, I see, I see. Yeah, I think the, the best way to rebrand them, I think the whole hiatus thing, and it, it's very, very sad for the fans that have stuck with it to all of a sudden there's nothing there. But I think yeah, that this needs to be a clean break. 
and come back as a completely separate thing. Basically, it's called them uh, you know, the anti-galaxy. Some kind of anti-matter? Sure. Dark matter? <laughs> That's a slogan. Why not the galaxy? But, you know, Their LA fan base will expand at an exponential rate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but we still the could not detect any of them with yes. modern equipment. Yes. A little black hole humor there. To be blunt, yes, they should stick around. And they should rebrand themselves as the L.A. Raiders. Play in black and silver and wear spikes. <laughs> wear spikes. There are not enough football teams that wear spikes. Except on their feet. I kind of thought if they wanted to still appeal to the Hispanic community as well as a neutral non-galaxy audience, perhaps they could return to a truncated version of the L.A. Aztecs. CF Azteca, if you will. Azteca, a nod to Mexico's national stadium, but not a single club. Mm-hmm. Aztecs, of course, a bit of nostalgia to the NASL days, although LA wasn't one of your tremendous hotbeds of NASL action for brief. I think George Best flirted with them for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, George Best flirted with everybody. Yes, that's true. That's sort of his thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That and the drinking. He flirted with a few livers. (laughs) That being said, I actually don't think there's a need for a second LA club. I don't think it's ever really shown that there's a necessity for it. I know it's a big metropolis, but Galaxy seemed to be more than enough for them to eat at home. Like, (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of the relocation thing, so... But, I mean, there's a couple of markets. San Diego is apparently a fantastic market, even though they're more... The San Diego Fuego. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're, apparently they're more interested in Tijuana, in, in the Zola. So, yeah. Okay. yeah. So that, But Sacramento, you look at Sacramento, that's mm. a city that's been doing phenomenal things at the NASL level. They have level. embraced Precky and Justin Braun. <laughs> well, they're already your, your second favorite club. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so they've made it clear they're willing to suffer through the first couple of years. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know what their ownership slash stadium idea is like, but I think exploring that rather than trying to fit the square peg in the circle in LA seems to be a better idea. Although, you know, with all things being equal, MLS has done it before. Dissolve. If there's not a better answer, don't force the issue, is how I feel about it. Fair enough. And one thing I would, I don't know, that I could see giving it a go again in LA but yeah let's not be sharing the Home Depot center just move to a different part of town and have this be a proper sort of east side west side kind of uh, colors color yes nothing could go wrong with this <laughs> LA has a yes. fine history with colors is Carson on the uh, the east or the west or it's kind south? of southwestish southwestish yeah. okay i think it's far enough out of town that it escapes any sort of <laughs> inner city troubles sure. yeah. yeah in the end if there was a better option, sure, go for it. If not, I don't I don't see what the rush is. Going off on a bit of a tangent, though, I, I sort of wonder if the league could contract a team at this point and not suffer the consequences of it. Like, if, if you look back at, when was it, 98, 99, when, when the Florida teams contracted, I think that did the league's image a lot of damage to have to admit defeat in those markets. And if they were to fold Chivas, regardless of the circus that it has been, I think it's a step back and also a huge financial hit that I'm not sure the league is willing to take. So Yeah, that's a good point. The image is, is a big deal nowadays, especially with that new logo and everything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't want to have a big, like, nothing. <laughs> that would be insane, a you half of nothing. You wouldn't want to have to hack off that tail. What no. would LA's <laughs> football scene look like if half of it was blank? <laughs> So as we say goodbye in Toronto to Chivas, USA for the last time, let's finish this sentence. So long, Chivas. Thanks for the... Coaches! Because <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lot of them. Nothing can go wrong with this. Nope. Mm. Especially the litigious ones. Yes, yes. <laughs> Non-disclosure agreements. Mm. So long, Chivas. Thanks for the nickname that I've been desperately trying to make catch on that never actually caught on. Los Amerigotes. I do not understand why people were not getting on board with that one. Too little, too late. I like like Chivas TBD. (laughs) came out with this year, but the Amerigotes is solid. And I did. So long, Chivas. Thanks for the padding at the bottom of the league's worst run club since 2007 to 2014.
You made us feel slightly better. <laughs> Misery does love company. Yeah. And finally, in the spirit of all things sponsored, Toronto's finest faux British pub once again brings you the Caldwell Arms Game in 16 Words. Duncan. Yay for three goals. Yay for three points. Does it mean anything? Nope. So long, Chivas. James, I'm setting the counter now. (laughs) (laughs) Thunderstorms, eh? Sunburn instead. More flow, less whistles. One, two, three. That'll do. On to the next. Close enough. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thunderstorms, one word or two. Hyphenated. I think it's a one-worder. Okay. There's a a contraction in there. An apostrophe. We're going to get the IOC to look at this one. Okay, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And for me... We will miss you, our not-quite-Mexican friends. Thanks for making us look less ridiculous. <laughs> we really paid attention to the game. <laughs> oh, I'm going to Jackson. You turn loose of my coat. Cause I'm going to Jackson. Goodbye, that's all she wrote. TFC aren't the only club in MLS about to embark on a momentous hot streak that propels them into the playoffs on a rocket ship to the MLS Cup. Hooray! Or, TFC aren't the only team in MLS to beat up on Chivas only to fall flat on their face as rivals grab points seeing them slip out of contention. Mm. With a look at the rest of the league with the fresh new logo. Here's Duncan Fletcher with this week's MLS wins and losses. Thank you, Kristen. Yep. (laughs) We are, of course... Getting down to the wire and uh, the playoff picture starting to come into shape. With a bit more clarity achieved this week. First up, Montreal, who won again and uh, doing quite well since Ignacio Piatti came along. Uh, he's uh, really going to be impressing New York and Miami. Uh, they beat San Jose 2-0, but due to results elsewhere, they were officially eliminated from playoff contention. Mm. So, uh, at least they do still Hooray. have the CCL to focus on. Zoot. Yes. That loss was San Jose's ninth straight winless game. Uh, Coach Mark Watson, adding another good quote to San Jose's recent run of them, to concede a goal against a run of play like that, it was just too soft, Watson said. It's been happening too much recently. It's a disappointing night for us. Again. (laughs) Poor San Jose. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, At the other end of things, so we can get all cheerful now, uh, LA became the second team to clinch a playoff spot after beating Mac Hinckley's FC Dallas 2-1. Uh, They're now equal with Seattle, after the Sounders had themselves a big U.S. Open Cup hangover, losing 4-1 in New York. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips got a hat-trick on his return to the starting lineup, and with 24 goals now, uh, he is making a very serious attempt at the all-time MLS record of 27 in a season. Seattle's Dejimi Traore uh, was a wee bit embarrassed with himself. I feel ashamed. It was an awful performance from us. We came in with a lot of expectations, and we didn't perform well. They have good players, and today they all performed well. If we don't perform at that level, we get punished, and that's what they've done to us. Note to uh, Jimmy Traore, don't come yeah. here. Yes. There will be a uh, lot of apologies. Yes, <laughs> there would. Uh, anyway, MLS records, you say? I did. I did. Bit back. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, we got one this week, or at least the tying of one, as uh, Chicago got their 16th tie of the season. Uh, they were 2-0 up. Then 3-2 down before coming back to get the point that really does their playoff hopes no good at all, really. You remember Chicago's terrible pitch from a week back? Here's Mike McGee's thoughts. Trying to play soccer on our shit field is like trying to play hockey with a football. Interesting analogy. (laughs) The birth of a new sport. (laughs) Does he mean field hockey or ice hockey? Who knows? Uh, Bakari Samare chipped in on the subject as well, replying to his tweet, Seriously. Oh, oh, snap! Authority. With, with two exclamation points. <laughs> oh, double. Yeah. You yes. did not go there. No. Uh, DC's Bobby Boswell was all right with it, though. It wasn't awful. I never like to blame the field because both teams have to deal with it, Boswell said. It wasn't like anyone slipped and gave up a goal that way. It just wasn't the most ideal. I don't think it changed the game too much. So, yeah, shut up, Chicago. Serious. Yeah. Uh, Frank Yellop, meanwhile, was more bothered about the ref... Fotos Bozakis. Uh, you remember him from Frank Lewis' <laughs> <laughs> complaints of a few weeks ago. Uh, apparently, it's not about the Greek thing. He just hates Franks. Oh. Uh, Yallop said, uh, We deserve to win that because two calls go against us in the match that cost us the game. 
Momentum's everything. With Tuna up, he gives a phantom penalty kick. I don't know what the call is. So they go to 2-1 and they've got life. He gives him another foul that wasn't a foul. Rejvan wins the ball, pokes it away, and he gives the foul to a good player in a good spot. It was a great free kick area for a great finisher like Silver is. So, uh, yeah, this uh, folk does, does not like the Franks. He hates Franks. He Who does. doesn't, to be honest? It's, it's a very good point. Uh, we head over to the West now. The, the big playoff matchup was between the two teams aiming for the fifth spot, and Portland crushed Vancouver 3-0 to move into the playoff spot. Finally, Colorado broke a seven-game losing skid last week, but got right back on that horse with a 5-1 <laughs> defeat against Real Salt Lake. Uh, they maintained their grip on the Rocky Mountain Cup, which, as we all know, is the urn containing John Denver's ashes. Over their nine-game winless streak, the Rapids have been outscored 29-9, to uh, which is uh, pretty feeble, really. It does at least set up a great game next week, as the Rapids will take on San Jose. Two nine-game winless streaks on the line. Uh, I would bet on a really sloppy draw in that one. Um, anyway, that would be your uh, MLS wins and losses for the week. Back to you, Kristen. What up? I really respect John Denver's work with the Muppets. <laughs> Many of you clearly enjoyed last week's hard-hitting, hard-drinking, journalistic investigation live from Brentford's Griffin Park in London, England by our very own Mark Hinckley. This week, Mark continues on his quest to get to the bottom of the Jermaine Defoe scandal, gauges fan opinion on the effect of Defoe's return on TFC's playoff run, and brings us some detailed analytics on the Fulham vs. Blackburn Rovers match. Mark is live at Craven Cottage. Mark, a 1-0 loss to Rovers for the Cottagers in their first match in the post-Felix McGath era. How did Fulham line up under caretaker manager Kit Simons? Was there a noticeable change in tactical philosophy? Also, you spoke to Blackburn's physio after the match. Can you give us more details about the ugly-looking injury to Blackburn's Lee Williamson? Over to you, Mark, in West London. Thanks, Kristen. I'm here at Fulham, Craven Cottage. Uh, the home team has gone down 1-0 to Blackburn. Um, not much else to report. Just before halftime, full amount of man sent down after a dangerous tackle. Uh, clearly sending somebody to the hospital. They got stretched off. I think a broken leg. No news about it yet. No sign of Jermaine Defoe this time. I was looking all up and down the tube. I thought I saw him, but it turns out it was just a guy handing out coupons for a strip club. Uh, so that's it. Back to you guys in the studio. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, he seemed sober. Yeah, that's 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 a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much else to say about it, really. No. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yes. I... Crisis in the Middle East. Ebola outbreak. Jermaine Defoe tearfully boards a flight to Toronto. Like all hard-hitting news outlets, the VMP news team digs deep into the stories that matter as we dissect the ongoing mess at TFC in This Week in Bloody Big Messes. The air is clear, folks. In a far-ranging Toronto Sun article, Tim Lewicki says that he and Jermaine Defoe have cleared up their differences after Lewicki's hip-hop threat last week to get the hell out the way. So did these two former money friends actually have a nice chat about the future, or did Lewicki just tell Defoe's agent that his client needs to come back, play nice for a couple of months, and then they'll transfer him in January with no questions asked? Thoughts? I think that last scenario is the, the best case scenario that we have to this whole situation. It's, we won't stand in your way in January, but you know, come back, play nice for five games, and... You know, we can both part ways without losing too much face. Has it actually happened? Maybe. And I would still not in any way be surprised if uh, Jermaine Defoe suddenly comes down with a reoccurrence of his injury. But uh... yeah, yeah, it's definitely some corporate face-saving for sure. Now with hmm. the rumours that West Ham are getting in on the uh, Defoe hunt, that will that won't hurt his price in January. They Ooh. needed a second option, and I'm, I'm sure to him West Ham is... Although he has that great relationship with Harry Redknapp, they could be in a heap of trouble by January, and maybe he won't want yeah. to be in a relegation fight. Not that West Ham will be that much higher, but they offer a, a little bit more safety, and it is his former club, so... Might emotional be a, reunion. Might be on, he loves an emotional <laughs> reunion, I guess. Uh -huh. What we see out of him, who knows, but uh, yeah, it's a comeback, say the right things, do the right things, try... Which might involve actually playing... It could. Yeah, it could. Yeah. yeah, I'm having a hard time following any of this spin. Like, 
I still can't believe that this all is played out so publicly. I mean, this isn't rocket science we're talking about. If somebody's unhappy at a football club, you have a conversation behind the scenes and, and you work something out. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be done out in public like this. So part of me thinks that this is all part of some grand scheme to create this insane narrative where big bloody deal comes. It's when you're when you're writing a good script or you're writing a song or you're doing something like this, you need to build the roller coaster of the emotions. And Toronto fans were on a peak, and then we're down in a trough, and now when we win MLS Cup, everyone will be hanging from the rafters <laughs> You're with excitement. you adorable. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great song. <laughs> yes. So you're suggesting this is just like some kind of big... It's an elaborate ruse. Wow. <laughs> well, it's sports and entertainment, just like world wrestling entertainment. That would be dropping a massive E. Yes. Hey. For entertainment. <laughs> Don't it's, do drugs, kids. <laughs> it's the only plausible explanation, given mm. how, how horribly handled this whole scenario has been. It's as plausible as anything else. <laughs> I do like the fact, though, that uh, part of that Sun interview, Lewicki was saying, this was just supposed to be for like, some Ryerson grads. <laughs> Again, this week in Tim Lewicki being shocked that the internet exists. I know. You, you didn't notice someone was filming this? Phones with cameras? You don't think any of these people... What a world we live in! (laughs) (laughs) The future is now. Mm -hmm. So someone's itchy. No, he hasn't contracted a lower extremity ailment, but apparently Defoe can't wait to get back to Toronto and hashtag goals. So Greg Vanny has been Mm -hmm. a bit vague about his return date, but away to LA seems like the earliest possibility, if at all. Any guesses, we've touched on this just now, but any guesses on how Defoe in red plays out for the rest of 2014 on the pitch? Yeah, I'll go full-on optimistic. He comes, he starts with LA, and he does play the the last five games, scores two or three goals. We miss out on the playoffs, but, you know, eh, know, Jermaine came in and gave a valiant effort, and that's basically uh, kind of shoving every natural instinct I have to the side to say, hmm, this might happen. I don't think it will, but I'll, I'll guess at that. He will actually play, and then January he's off. Yeah, I tend to concur. I have he plays, he scores, he leaves, and who cares after that? Uh, one one thing I would caution about for the remaining matches would be whether he should be playing the whole ninety minutes if he's not that interested. If he wants to bag some goals and go out there and run around a little bit and do his his own version of a Landon Donovan farewell tour then that's fine for, for 20 minutes, for half an hour at the end of a match. But I don't know if I'd want him out there for an hour battling if he's not that interested in it. Yeah, well, I think you maybe start him and then play at the first sign or you know, it's TFC, there's going to be natural frustration, maybe at the second sign of <laughs> soaking, giving give him, give him a couple of mulligans. Like, yeah. All right, you know, yeah, get off. And you, know, you maybe start again the next game, who knows, but yeah. It's a good point, though, um, the Jays makes, because new manager, he hasn't played under Greg Vanny or... Mm. Probably doesn't even know him all that well. And who knows if they've even had a conversation. Um, Conversations are key. Yes. <laughs> Knowing what he looks like might be a start. But yeah, he's Greg Vanny's all about you know building this momentum, that we've, the word we've used a few times on the show. And uh, if there's any balance been created yet with the last couple of matches, dropping a guy in who is undoubtedly going to be fairly uninterested. You know, mm-hmm. Hopefully his professionalism trumps any feelings he has about being in Toronto long term but yeah there, there's a possibility that it could do more damage than good you gotta protect that precious momentum could he come in and be have more chemistry than Moore and Gilberto seem to have right now doesn't he hasn't seemed to work very well with a second striker all year no and I feel that's something that's happened like the last couple of times he's played. You know, Moran Gilberto are doing okay, then we're yeah, being Defoe and it doesn't quite work. The game in Houston, specifically Defoe, came off the bench and we saw that whole thing in, in one particular game. He was very kind of frustrated and ineffective that game and the once or twice he's played since then, he hasn't looked as good as Gilberto and Moore have out there. So, Yeah, if at all, I think I see him maybe coming in as a sub against L.A., Mm-hmm. possibly early second half or so. I, I think there's one side of his return that is a potential PR hiccup for TFC, and that's hypothetically if they don't get any points against Portland and L.A., or Portland at least, and he comes in against L.A., looks uninterested, Toronto will be in a really bad spot by then, coming mm-hmm. back against Houston. There is a good chance that he would be the lightning rod of a lot of 
dissent from Same the fans. Banners in the South End. Well, the a lot of, right? at least, at the very least, verbal. I don't think that's something they really mm-hmm. want to have as their, at that point, will be probably the crux of the season. Yeah. It's kind of a different time of the season, but you know, you think back to 2009 when Beckham was at his most half alsey and like he came back and you know the fans had various banners they were then singing you know we don't need no david beckham and all that sort of thing and beckham ended the game by going over and basically calling out the fans one of them jumped down and it was all a big fiasco <laughs> could we have that kind of moment <laughs> we can hope <laughs> that'd be interesting that is a roller coaster ruse <laughs> i want to ride on yes it's written in the stars <laughs> that's a good song too um one of the biggest lewicky leaks and that's mine toronto son I TM that at least a year ago. <laughs> One of the biggest Lewicki leaks during Big Tim's bombastic tenure was his calling out of TFC's dressing room as a bunch of ne'er-do-well losers, only <laughs> saved by the two shining lights of Greg Vanny and Michael Bradley. Lewicki has now, as part of this article, backtracked fairly deeply by admitting there were other winners too, you know... Like D-Row and stuff. Yeah. Um, so do you think he realized he put his foot in it a bit too far this time? Or is this part of Tim Lewicki's long-term future saying, Oh, when I take over the Clippers, they better they won't want to read any press clippings. Seeing how I threw a whole team under the bus. Surely the Clippers would love clippings. <laughs> it's in their name. Yeah. It's what they do. That would be a great logo. An old lady cutting coupons. <laughs> Yes. Again, when it comes to like wiki, I'm I'm not sure how to read into this. Like, surely it can't be the oh, I didn't know phones were recorded and people spoke about <laughs> things that happened. Maybe he's a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think he'd have more solid basis on the future if he. Mm, was that's true. Traveler. Maybe he's he's only a one way time traveler. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Maybe he was just showing a challenge to the team. Maybe he wanted guys to step up and he thought they would respond to it. Or maybe it really was how he genuinely felt, and, and it's maybe a window into how much dislike there actually is within that front office. I think everyone has looked at, at the statements as if he was referring to the players. I think there was a, a, a fair chunk of it that was aimed at the organization of MLSE and, and their general structure and their general concern with the bottom line as opposed to filling up a trophy cabinet. So there's a lot of ways you can look at it. But I don't believe for a second he forgot that phones could record. <laughs> I like that last way of looking at it as the organization because that makes mm-hmm. me like him a bit. <laughs> uh, a he's just show. like us. <laughs> if anything, he said in the last since he came to Toronto, that would be the most valid thing. <laughs> calling out that organization as yes. one, and it would it, be very efficient to get three shots in with one yeah. statement. It's true. Multitasking. Mm-hmm. MBAs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So as uh, Lewicki bleated continuously in the sun, uh, he decided to mention that the Argos, shock of shocks, are indeed part of the BMO Field expansion plan. But I thought we'd won. (laughs) Apparently not. There apparently is some kind of blood bond between MLSE and the province and the city where poor MLSE, who desperately don't want the revenue from those Argos games, are being forced to house the CFL team at some time. So with the construction equipment on the ground now at BMO, do we still have confidence that a Lewicki-free MLSE will manage to operate an MLS ground that doesn't look like Giant Stadium used to? No. It'll look smaller than it. <laughs> yes. A smaller version. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the Argoers will end up being treated equally, and you know, that's probably going to mean the odd logo here or there, and if that doesn't fade out in time, well, that's not that important. Yeah, I have no faith that without the wiki, the MLSE board will try and keep the Argos down. No. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll know a lot more when we see what color these new seats that they're bringing in are. I, I, always, I always thought gray would be the teller. Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> some white. Yeah. Something, mm-hmm. something a little neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To wash out a bit of the red storm that the place mm-hmm. currently is. The Argos will probably be there. I think it's stupid, but I mean, what can you do? 
Resigned. Yeah. Since they're not in the picture officially till phase two, which is 2016, a lot of this is going to be glossed over and not picked up by your average fan, so everything's going to look hunky-dory. The architectural diagram should be out by the time this goes to air. Yeah. And I'm sure they will look fabulous. The pitch is going to look pristine, and it's going to look like a soccer football paradise. Mm. But I'm with you. I give it a month into the Argos' first season there. They'll try at first. There'll be a lot of scrubbing going on on the pitch, and... You know, a lot of taking down Argos posters and putting up TFC posters, but the novelty of that will wear off pretty damn quick, whether through cost or just apathy. Mm. Yep. In the long term, it'll be hard for it to not look like the Argos Stadium, primarily just because of the effect that that sport has on a facility. It will, I think, end up looking like TFC or the secondary. Yeah, yeah hopefully not, but that yeah. would not surprise me at all. But now for our further details from after the blueprints were released, it's time to bring back Vocal Minority Podcast's patented future past time machine. He's in our future, he's in your past, here's Duncan Fletcher with more news from Tuesday. Thanks, Kristen. There wasn't a lot of new info revealed today, though the extent of just how hard they're going after the corporate entertainment tax write-off dollar is a little astonishing, including the Tunnel Club. Uh, located at field level, just steps away from Toronto FC's locker room and an arm's length distance from both teams, the Tunnel Club provides a unique experience to watch the players take the pitch that's unmatched across MLS. Yes, that's right, a perp walk past the suits on the way to and from the pitch, which uh, will be delightful for them, I'm sure. Uh, The roof looks fancy, but it isn't actually a roof, it's a canopy. And uh, in the south stand, it's going to be miles above you with nothing to keep the wind out, so pretty much pointless. Uh, The North Stand, meanwhile, will be fully demolished to make way for the Argos, replaced with a patio and portable suites for the TFC games. That's right, if you had any tiny hope that the Argos aren't coming, throw it away because they very much are. Mark Rimes, chair of the Exhibition Place Board of Governors, couldn't contain his glee at finally getting the Argos to their rightful home, as he called it. Uh, He also thanked the wardrobe department of Boardwalk Empire for dressing him for the occasion. Uh, That's about it, really. Back to you, Kristen. What up? Final bit of odd news today in the Toronto Star. Uh, a report that BMO, the bank, not the stadium, will no longer be the TFC shirt sponsor as of 2015, and MLSE is currently seeking a new main kit sponsor. So, best guess who it could be, and maybe a best answer on who it should be. I'd only have a, a good guess as, hmm, yeah, this is what I think will actually happen. I think, you know, any you have is more what it should be. And there's two options there. One is just nobody. Just. Oh, you're talking crazy. At least just for one season. I think in the article it actually, it actually said, said <laughs> it's not even possible. <laughs> no sponsor isn't even an option. Yeah. It really should be. Mm. Uh, just, just do it for one season. Have a, a third kit with no sponsor. Just once. That's all I ask. Um, you more chance of a third kit with a third sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, I think we're more likely to go the full mascara and sponsor on the front, a couple of sponsors on the back and all that sort of thing. Um, who it should be? I think it tell us. If it's got Bell and Rogers, ooh, which one gets to be the shirt partner? None of them. Let's go with tell us. Just, I think that would be fun. Yeah, well, my serious answer is Rogers sticking it to TSN, who's taking all the soccer rights away from Rogers. My more enjoyable sponsors would either be Chico's Bail Bonds, circa 1974. <laughs> Let them play! <laughs> or it depends, because apparently they're hip now. Hey. <laughs> That's true. Have and you seen the guy riding the horse? <laughs> <laughs> and you may as well be protected with all the pants crapping that's going on at yes. Emo Field. So there's a general feeling, I think, in the article and uh, amongst business analysts who would see a, one of the existing secondary sponsors like a Kia Motors or Rogers Step Up. Uh, Tim Hortons a possibility. With their Burger King Association, I'd like uh, the old uh, Hetafe thing where they pull the, yes. pull the shirt up and the, the Burger King faces underneath. That, that I can get behind. We can all get behind that. I, I could potentially buy one of those. <laughs> Maybe uh, some kind of roll-up-the-rim kit. Yeah. 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 You lose. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> Next season. Uh, new club motto there. Uh, yeah. As far as who it should be, there's a uh, company apparently interested out of Indiana called uh, IRD. This is a real company. Yes, the International Revolving Door Company. <laughs> 
Synergy. Supplier to revolving doors to some of the greatest hotels in the USA. (laughs) I think it would be a great fit. That would work very well, yes. If they could get some kind of 3D... Remember those old stickers where you moved them? That would be awesome. It looks like the door's revolving. Just take the numbers off the back since we don't need to identify any of the players anymore because they're just going to be gone next week anyway. Or make it like those birthday cards where you spun the wheel to change the number. Sweet. All right. Bitchy D. Blanks. Hey, everybody. It's Bitchy Blanks. You son of a bitch. Bird is the word, folks and friends. It's another episode of everyone's favorite aviary blankety blank game, Bitchy Blanks. Every week we give you a phrase with wide open blank to fill with your pun meat. And we pick a winner from the potential millions of entrants. Last week's Bitchy Blank was... Upon returning to TFC, Jermaine Defoe gets re-injured doing... Blank. We'll start off with our own winners before getting to this week's We're all big winners. winner. We're all Aww. winners here. You know why? Because we try. <laughs> Yay. What's yours, Duncan? Give us your best try. Uh, Jermaine Defoe will re-injure himself by uh, slipping a disc, trying to rip up all nine of his TFC contracts in one go like a phone book. Wow, meaty. Sure. It's like a, like a bro on the beach. Yes. Uh, Jermaine Defoe will injure himself by violently showing his appreciation towards the fans in the South End with the Judas banner, thereby <laughs> injuring himself in the course of said celebration, like a football kicker from several years ago. It seems like there's a story behind that. Hey? A football kicker injured himself celebrating. Good story. <laughs> cool story. And I had Jermaine Defoe gets re-injured, putting his British Airways first class lounger, slash, or a British Airways flight attendant, into the upright position before landing. Hey. And now for the moment you've all been waiting for with this week's winner, here's substitute head bitchy in charge, Duncan Fletcher. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> um, uh, winner of this week, there's uh, a lot of entrants, a lot of late entrants, once again, one of the notable entries came from Red Wine Rose. It was really good, just not quite good enough. But uh, keep trying, uh, Red Wine Rose. Keep trying. One of these days you'll get it, I promise. Our winner is uh, David Lowry, I believe. Our first time winner. He's at MadZap42 on the Twitters. His entry was Jermaine Defoe will re-injure himself, tripping from chasing Drake down the street, screaming, Why? Why did you do this to me? <laughs> Why have you forsaken me? Where's your drink now? (laughs) Appreciative head nods all round. Well done. Well done, David. This week's Bitchy Blanks is a topical (laughs) one. The new Toronto FC kit sponsor should be... Blank. We want your best attempts at a Bitchy Blank, so send them in often to our Twitter site, at VocalMinorityPod, no A in the vocal, with the hashtag BitchyBlanks. Or... As always, in the comment sections under this episode's link on vocalminoritypodcast.blogspot.ca or on Waking the Red when this episode is released. Good luck to all the potential bitches. Immortal words of 20th century poet and newsman Hubert Huey Lewis III. It's hip to be square. <laughs> to help us square up to the news that we are facing MLS's hippest club, here's Duncan Fletcher with this week's scattering report on Borussia Portland, a.k.a. the Portland Timbers. Thank you, Kristen. Uh, so the very first thing to know is that uh, they're better than Chivas. So this might well be a tough one. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> After a slow start and a very inconsistent season, they've finally dragged themselves into a playoff spot, uh, currently sitting 5th in the West with 39 points from 29 games. Uh, That inconsistency has shown itself in their recent form. Uh, While they've beaten Vancouver 3-0 twice in their last four games, they've also tied with San Jose and Colorado, two of the worst teams in the league right now. Their away record is uh, they've won 5, lost 5, and tied 4, scored 21, and conceded 20, so it's all 
very uh, even. Why the inconsistency? Goal scoring isn't the problem. Uh, they're 52 goals. It's tied for second best in the league. And including CCL games, they've averaged three goals a game over the last seven games. Uh, not entirely surprising when you consider the variety of weapons they have to choose from up front. There is, of course, Maximiliano Ruti, who uh, apparently didn't need as much time to develop as the Tims proclaimed he would when they got rid of him Shocking. last year. Yes. Uh, he has nine goals in the equivalent of 12 games worth of playing time. Uh, he's more of a flair player, but if you want a good old-fashioned brawny centre-forward, then Fernando Adi is the hipster's Alan Gordon, using his big body not just as a battering ram, but also to collect balls, hold them up, pull the opposition out of position, create space for his more speedy colleagues, all that sort of thing. Uh, moving back into midfield, you've got Will Johnson, and uh, you've got to think his matchup with Michael Bradley could get nice and feisty. Uh, you've also got the skilled playmaking of Diego Valeri ahead of him. Around those guys, you add in players like Darlington Nagby, the man with the greatest name in MLS, uh, Diego Chara, Gaston Elgato Fernandez, Steve Zakawani, Rodney Wallace. There are a lot of dangerous attacking options. Predicting exactly what we'll see is a bit silly, especially with CCL commitments to be taken into account, but the last few games, it's generally been Addy getting the start up front with the likes of Nagby, Valeri, and Wallace playing behind him. Yuruti generally comes on as a late-game sub. So what's the problem? Why are they barely in the playoffs? Well, the problem will be the defence. Uh, 48 goals allowed in 29 games. They only have three clean sheets all season. Uh, the two recent ones against Vancouver, then another one against Chivas. Those three clean sheets have all arrived after the mid-season arrival of British journeyman Liam Ridgewell, the hipster's Stephen Caldwell. Uh, though they've also conceded three or more goals three times in that same time period, so they're not exactly uh, rock solid back there, uh, even with him. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's difficult to say exactly what to get. I would uh, predict uh, a high-scoring draw, 2-2 at the least, maybe 3-3, something like that. There'll be goals in this one. Back to you, Kristen. Thanks. So despite staying in the hunt after grabbing the three points on Sunday, is it safe to say that this is must-win match number five? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got to win our home games. That would take us to, I think, like 46 points. Then we might still need a point or two from the away games. Any of these games we don't get the full three points, then we're going to have to win one of our remaining very tough away games. So... Yes, very much a must-win. Yeah, people can keep saying, oh, we only need X amount of points to be in the fifth spot, but, uh, you know, that uh, really doesn't take into account the many other teams that are around us trying to do the same thing. There's Mm -hmm. not much wiggle room left for losses, and, uh, you know, that mythical momentum that we've mentioned numerous times can uh, disappear as quickly as it uh, arrives. A potential devastating loss against Portland could really could very well mark the end of the season, really. Uh, generally, I like to be contrarian, but until Toronto has that X beside their name that says they've clinched a playoff spot, they basically need to win out. They've, they've put themselves in this position with results over the past two months where you can't be banking on the game in hand, you can't be banking on who you're playing next week. you got to win now or face the potential of a snowy golf season. <laughs> so TFC against Chivas were allowed some freedom in play mm-hmm. because of the bad state of affairs that is Chivas USA a fairly free-flowing match for TFC more than we've seen recently how do we expect to see them tactically or as far as shape play against Portland a much tougher bit of competition do they go for it on home turf or think they'll be more careful I think Toronto Toronto's sort of in a position where they have to go for it. They have to look to get forward. Now, the the rub will be that Portland, with their two-man shield of Will Johnson and Diego Chara, will clog up that center of the pitch, which means Toronto will try and go wide, and we all know how successful or not that can be at times. Um, will Johnson's had a bit of an interesting role with Portland. He's almost, he's almost played within himself forcefully being a defensive option when they're away from home. So I think we can expect to see that again, where if anybody is going to be making those runs forward, it'll be Chara and Johnson will just sort of be patrolling, keeping an eye on people. Portland will look at this as a chance to get points as well. So there is the possibility that they will come out swinging and Toronto can hit them. But I think the pattern we've seen develop this year is that the road teams come and sit and wait for Toronto to make a mistake. 
and then pounce on it. So Toronto needs to go forward, but stay tight at the back, which is mm-hmm. easier said than done. Will Johnson stymieing Michael Bradley opens up the opportunity for lots of stomping up and down at referees. <laughs> lots of tantrums. Yeah. Especially Canadian. Very much so. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is this is no time to be putting the leash back on these guys, is it really? So, uh, no. yeah, I think we'll see very similar sort of tactics and kind of aggressive going for it. I mean, Portland's defense is there for the taking. You go out there, you try and score an early goal, and if they're a bit tired... Then, then you whip out the leash. Yes. <laughs> and dare it be said, now that we've seen some set-piece goals from Toronto, they're clearly going to keep adding more. Yes. Now that they've figured that out. Yes. And back heels. <laughs> lots and lots of back heels. The question is, have, have we wasted our free kick? Uh, everyone's going to be watching this. You know, Portland's going to be ready for it now. You know, two treading ground moves in the same game. and ah, They know our move! <laughs> wait, wait. Nobody has seen the combined corner kick slash back heel yet. Oh. <laughs> that one is in the pantry for later. Clever. The back heeled corner kick of slight <laughs> variation on <laughs> laughing at my own jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <we> all, <laughs> that's what we do. Because yes. who else would? Yeah. Portland Timbers are indeed the official club of hipsters this side of Dortmund. So if they, like TFC, plan to change their kits in 2015, what item of clothing or accessory should they add? Um, I think they'll have braces attached to their shots. Suspenders, you call them over here. <laughs> a very some nutty suspenders to mm. hold up their shots. Denim shorts, I assume. Dark denim shorts. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, sorry. <laughs> when we both say. <laughs> silly of me. Um, I went with the blindingly obvious more plaid and more flannel. Because, I mean, mm. you can never get enough plaid and you can never have enough flannel. Indeed. Very good Perhaps points. some sort of serrated elbows to better reflect the saws and or fur trees. Mm-hmm. Something with a little bit of teeth to it. You know? mm. Interesting. Interesting. Al dente. avant-garde. <laughs> well, yeah, skinny jeans, lumberjack shirts, that'd be the obvious, but let's not disparage the sporting knowledge of the Timbers front office. Mm. So, how do you balance ironic fashion statements and sporting equipment? I'll tell you how. Please. You're I'm intrigued. Late 80s NFL style Zubaz. Ooh. <laughs> That's right. Green and yellow zebra striped pants are practical <laughs> and so unfashionable that they have become fashionable. <laughs> Zubaz are back. Excellent. Sign me up. <laughs> and comfy. Yes. <laughs> Outside of kits, mandatory handlebar mustaches, like really elaborate mustaches oh, for yes. all the players. Yes. Obviously. I'm surprised that's not in their contracts already. To be yeah. Honest. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing some more mutton chop sideburns. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. No official hair mutton chops. That's always creepy. The serious tenderly mutton Yeah, chops. when you when you see like a no, it's like an English gangster film <laughs> and like the guy has like slightly doughy face but he has the mutton chops. That yeah. Guy, that guy's you know that guy's got a bat yeah, the, the, knife. The, the guy from Everdale Farm. <laughs> yes. That's the gangster program I was thinking of. <laughs> not get not the original Get Carter. I was thinking of Emmerdale. No. Hey, Mr. Wilkes. Uh, Amos, I want to say his name was. Well, that's creepy in itself. (laughs) So, we mentioned before, former not-quite-as-bloody medium deal, Maxi Arruti, is coming back to town with the Timbers, and he's one of a number of young Reds who were dispatched before being allowed to develop here, but has uh, come into his own. Didn't have time for any of them. No. Why would you? We were too busy being successful. (laughs) If you could go back and uh, grab one of our young guys who we dispatched and have him back on TFC, which one would you go back and bring back? I miss Chad Barrett. (laughs) Would you consider him one of our young guys? (laughs) (laughs) I know, we know you miss Chad Barrett. That's plainly obvious. I mean, the thing is, we, we actually put in the time to develop him. All the way through the 2009 season, he was good, but not really scoring. Then he blossomed in 2010, and then that's when we got rid of him. It's, come back, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely thought that we would have the same answer of Jao Plata. 
But I forgot about the ridiculous man love between Chad Barrett yeah. and our very own Duncan Fletcher. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Joe Plata. I like to think it's a mutual thing. Yeah. <laughs> Fire up the coal-powered yeah. yes. backwards-only time machine and bring the wee man back well, to Toronto. good news. Uh, Joe Plata was mine. Ah. Yeah. And not because of his tremendous goal tally this year, but it's because he was ours. We They plucked him from the bottom of the draft. <laughs> Nobody yeah. really wanted him. He, he was a bit of a... He was a freak oh, show. Yeah, oh, look at him. He's tiny. Yeah. We'll have that. That'll Ooh. be a laugh. He looked good. <laughs> Nobody expected him even to come out of training camp. And then he was and he was here. And he, it, How fun would the him and Gilberto striking oh, duo be? The dancing alone would be spectacular. Yeah, exactly. It would be like him and Mike Consentos except good. Yes. <laughs> that's be that's score Captain one. Mike Consentos. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> And just score one goal, then, hey, well, we've got five minutes here. Let's yeah. see. <laughs> mm. I, I actually, no, I don't think anyone would have said, oh, yeah, that's future 15 goal scorer, Jao Plata, but. Yeah. Future best player on Salt Lake, Jao yeah. Plata. Yeah. Good on, so, good so on him. I mean, half the team said that. In so, yeah. He left here two years ago? Before the 2013. Yeah. yeah. And so, he was here for, for Mariner, and yes. that's when it all went wrong. Yeah. And, yes, yeah. yes, it did. In more ways than yeah. one. Yes. <laughs> and so. <laughs> You know, and so you look at that. He he went to RSL probably at the low ebb of his MLS mm-hmm. power. Yes, I think most people probably expected him to peter out, but it shows what you would many have. were predicting. He wouldn't last the season. Yeah. It's a one-trick pony and that he, the league he, has found out. One in six, I believe, was mentioned in reference. Yes, yes. yes. Now he's more of a five in six, and yes. that would be five goals per six. Yet now. somehow <laughs> Reggie Lamb managed to last another year and a half. <laughs> And before we close off our look at Portland, at least, uh, Timber Joey. He's a mainstay at Timber's matches, doing his thing behind their Mm. goal every time a goal is scored. If TFC could have someone behind goal, who would it be and what would they perform? I didn't go with something as consistent as Timber Joey, but I went in the same theme. I think what Toronto needs to do to exercise some of those demons from the past is bring back one of those favorites from days gone by. Your your Nick Sulesmas, your Reggie Lambs. <laughs> Stand them behind the net and pour onto them the sins of the club. <laughs> and then banish them yeah, forever. Crucifying them? <laughs> no, I'm I'm talking about straight up old school scapegoating them where uh, where a halftime tarring and feathering. <laughs> <laughs> that is one potential option. Barabbas! <laughs> Sulzma! Put them in stocks and throw rotten fruit at them? That is another possibility. Excellent. I like this. And uh, heap all of our sins upon them and then banish them never to be seen at these shores again. <laughs> Every game a different player. Wow. It'll take us at least a couple decades to get through all the yeah. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. medieval. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Yeah, it's well, good. I went a little more jokey with mine. Um, I think they have some kind of stereotypical bank robber guy, like a guy in like a Hamburglar uniform, essentially. <laughs> and there's like a, a safe behind the goal, and so every time we score, he kind of creeps up to it very exaggeratedly and steals some money, puts it into a bag with a little dollar sign on there, and uh, then presents that bag of cash to the uh, player that scored the goal. So an extra incentive uh, for the players as well. And, uh, Mine is alarmingly close. Okay. <laughs> but more from the ownership perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I named my guy Currency Charles. <laughs> Timber Joey, Currency Charles, a rotund, top-hatted Bay Street banker who peels off a $100 bill from a gigantic <laughs> wad of bills, feigns giving it to a fan, and then lights it and uses it to ignite a cigar. Puffing away as the hopes and, as dreams. The hopes and dreams of the fans in front of him equally mm. go up in smoke. <laughs> Currency Charles, everyone. Let's hear it for him. Available now in plush dolls. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, uh, yes, of course. So that's another successful must-win episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast wrapped up. Be sure to join us next week when we ironically look back at the Portland match. Gaze into a galaxy not too far away and no doubt scratch our heads over Jermaine Defoe's inevitable pre-written comments for the local media. (laughs) A big thanks from our panel on Twitter, at Grossi, our super sub indeed, James Grossi. It was a pleasure. And as seen on Duncan D. Fletcher on Twitter, he was, as always, Duncan Fletcher. Hello. And for me, Tony Walsh, at the Yorkies1812, all that's left to say is get used to it, Toronto. (laughs) 
Fagundes. I've been outside your window. <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> I know if you've been naughty. I know if you've been nice. <laughs> you better be there on Saturday. Your wife, your wife has a mole on her left eye. <laughs> the postman rings twice. <laughs> if we had more resources, you could really go to town on this. Like, have them reading some Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them. But yeah, that, that's that the, uh, the, the preposterousness we yeah. uh, mock here. I know there's a guy in Wimbledon who's <laughs> arguing with FIFA 15 that he's the strongest player in the world. He's arguing with them. Yeah. Hmm. Because apparently he used to be rated the strongest and then they rated somebody else. He's like, no, any challenge, <coughs> the other guy to come for a, a lifting competition. <laughs> I sent a spin off. Yeah. Downloadable content for your video games. Yeah. I did 17. Mm. I can you just shouldn't have told though. us. Could have let a listener catch it. <laughs> Dear sirs. <laughs> Last if there's one thing I expect from your show, it's for the comment 16 words to have 16 words. That is I wish we got standard. I wish we got mail like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Thanks. That was spectacular. That's how he's, a, he's a hard dude to do. He's lifeless. <laughs> for such a firebrand. All right, then we'll just go right. I get the impression he didn't blink at all through the entire... Or ever blinks. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> just stares at his child. I love you intensely. <laughs> this is the long pause, and then he... I'm here, Crown Cottage. <laughs> no one else. <laughs> no one else. The game ended one no. I, what else do you want me to say? <laughs> Somebody got hurt. Somebody. <laughs> I met. I met to the guy's name, and he says, "Sorry, that's awesome." So, uh, yeah. Hitler resigned. Nothing else you need to know. Hitler resigned. Hitler killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he resigned. <laughs> There's a caretaker fear. Yeah. Looks like Martin Yule. Yeah. <laughs> they took down the Berlin Wall. Not much else to say, really. Yeah. Yeah. Back to you, Kristen. Back to you, the news. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You guys should really come up with a P.O. box. It's a mailer. The Klondike fly. This is on a postcard. We, we collect them uh, two months later. <laughs> oh, this one was particularly good. Oh, if but... only it would have. You should have put Rush Mail on this. You didn't write Air Mail in. We have a fan in Vladivostok. <laughs> I'll jump in with you and we'll have like a conversation. Yeah, jump in here with there uh, if anything. Sounds good. Sounds horribly wrong. <laughs> Actually, I would like to You are wrong, it. sir! <laughs> I challenge you. <laughs> I demand satisfaction. We basically beat up a, a blind, arthritic... Three-legged, toothless goat with a muzzle. That doesn't mean... Lots of medicals. Yeah, I think I could win that fight. That doesn't mean I'm ready to go out there and start punching polar bears. I don't know, that Alpha United poses quite a threat. They, they do sound tough. They're no Robin Hood. From A to Z. <laughs> I would like to hope their nickname is the Dogs. 